Hello and welcome back to the Checkpoint Reach podcast. This is a gaming and occasional movie news podcast. I'm your host Luke Eldon and as ever I'm joined by my fellow gamers and friends. Well actually it's not as ever because we are actually one guy down. So I'm only joined by uh, Perks and Matty today. How are you doing guys? Not too bad. Good, good. No sud today. No, it's the thing is the first one he's ever missed, isn't it? It is. He's been sacked, hasn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we decided to let him go. <laughs> By popular request. <laughs> popular request, what might he? <laughs> and that we're joking, Sud, if you're listening. We are joking, don't worry. We're not. He is definitely listening. He's listening live. <laughs> yeah, he probably is. Probably just sat somewhere in my house. <laughs> um, if you're listening on YouTube, give us a subscribe, a like, and a comment on the video below, as that'll help the channel to grow. Anyway, um, yeah, we'll get started with the uh, past week's news, of gaming news anyway that is, and we'll start with the first topic which has been a pretty big topic and another bad bit of PR for uh, Bioware and Anthem, and it's that Anthem has been bricking consoles. Uh, over 1,400 PS4s are, are now affected by Anthem's crashing bug. People have been reporting its tendency to shut down consoles completely as if someone has pulled the plug rather than crash into the main menu, making some people scared that it's going to brick their console and uh, ultimately break their console. Um, what do we think of this? I mean, it just seems to be bad news piled on top of bad news for Anthem at the moment. Well, I think um, Sony are doing... Anthem players a favour by bricking their console, not letting them play the game by the sounds of it. <laughs> I did actually put out a tweet <laughs> along those lines as well as Checkpoint Reach when I heard the news. It is saving you from playing the game because the game's not that enjoyable. Probably Honestly, not losing like, your PS4 for though. No, but it's like teach you a lesson or something for still supporting the game. But uh, hey, look, people can still enjoy it. Honestly, Anthem seems to be the new Fallout 76. Mm. Every day there's just a new bad news story about it. There's more things to throw at the game or the devs or whoever. There hasn't been a single positive thing really reported about the game other than gameplay's kind of fun. And yeah, this is just the next in what will probably continue to be a long line of complaints. The devs or at least one of them anyway, Ben Irvin was joined by Jesse Anderson in a live stream just the other day. And when they addressed the, the PS4 shutdown issue or the crashing, whatever you'd want to call it, they were quite blasé about it. And it was just like, yeah, well, it, it's not bricking consoles. It's just sort of crashing them and then turning them off. We've tested it or based on the testing they've had, no console has actually been bricked or broken. It's just inconvenient. That's always a good way to start with uh, angry people, isn't it? Saying, yeah, well. <laughs> yeah, and it was just like, really? Like, apologize? Say we're really sorry for messing this up? Um, which, you know, I'm, I'm sure they've probably done on, on a sort of subreddit or shout out to someone on Twitter for it. But it just seemed like, yeah, no biggie, we'll fix it. And yeah it, it is a biggie what other game does this and is just allowed to get away with it so it, it's a bad one again for for ea for bioware and for anthem in particular yeah it really is go ahead matt it just um, it just goes on you know further to what i usually say 
that these live service games that are released unfinished are just a complete a cancer on the industry. I'm so sick of them. And it's like when you were playing Destiny for a long time, Perks, like this was my main point really when you kept playing it. I was like, you you are legitimizing this type of game because other publishers are going to see that people are happy to spend hundreds of hours rinsing and repeating the same quests in an empty shell of a world. And they're going to think, yeah, we can do that as well. And this is all Anthem is. I, I can't even believe EA tried to pretend that there was some modicum of a story in the game. It's just pathetic. And I'm glad. I'm not surprised that it's happening. I mean, obviously bricking people's consoles is a bit extreme, but I'm 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 really not surprised that this is happening. And I'm kind of glad that it's happening because honestly, like the games industry is just in a in a weird place at the moment where I don't think publishers know what makes money anymore. And I think um the more that people show them that this type of shit is unacceptable, the better games we're going to get in the future for it. I feel like Perks is going <laughs> to disagree with you here because he enjoyed Destiny 2. Well, Destiny. Yeah. Well, yeah, I did enjoy the, the sort of Destiny franchise, if you like, to encapsulate them both together. But it, I think it's quite important to note that when Destiny 1 first came out, like me and Matt were both day one players and we both kind of did the same thing. We played for a short space of time we did what there was to do, and then there was nothing else. And then we both went away for ages. I didn't really get into Destiny as, as a franchise until about a year after launch of Destiny 1, which is when it became serviceable, which is when it became on the pathway to being good. No one really loved Destiny, even the hardcore players that stuck with it from day one. They didn't really love it to begin with because mm. it was an empty shell, like Matt said. And I, I don't think there's no hiding from that same with destiny 2 it didn't launch in a good way there was one of the um, main youtubers i forget who off the top of my head but i remember following them when destiny 2 launched and it had gone through some of the first updates and first patches and they actually signed off one of their videos saying in a few months time destiny 2 will get to the stage that destiny 1 left off with and this was months after launch of the of the game so Look, my Destiny numbers speak for themselves, but I didn't enjoy Destiny when it was in a terrible state. I enjoyed Destiny when it was the best it could possibly be. And that was still in the knowledge that, hey, this game should offer a hell of a lot more than it does. But Anthem is... Anthem's not like either of those things. Anthem, I've said this before, feels like the first iteration of... A, a game as a service or, or a shared world game, an always online game. Because it's so far behind in terms of what they actually offer in comparison to the games that we've seen before. When it's the newest version of them, it just doesn't make sense. There are so many bugs, there is so much in terms of oversights from a development perspective. And yeah, it's no surprise to see that the the player base has already fallen off a cliff, and do you not it's think probably it can... not going to come back up. Do you not think it can um, pull off a destiny? <sighs> I don't know, but maybe no. the term I'd use is lightning doesn't strike <laughs> twice. Bungie got away with it because Destiny was the first of its sort of kind. People were probably willing to go back, and whilst they were proven correct to do so, in my opinion, because the game did drastically improve it doesn't seem that Bioware are going to be able to do that very quickly with Anthem. So we could be talking nine months to a year down the line 
and that's probably too late for a game right now that's in the state that it's in. Yeah, um, and to be honest, from what we've seen and heard, they don't seem too troubled by it, do they? The actual people who are answering questions wherever they get put on the spot, like you mentioned, it's just like, yeah, well, you know, it's not actually breaking consoles. It's like, this is terrible PR for you. <laughs> you need to address this. They're going to be a lot more troubled when they see the final sales figures. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, what was it that they were aiming for in March? I can't quite remember. Was it 8 million? I think it was 7 or 8 million seven by the end eight. of March. And that ain't happening. <laughs> Let's be under that. no illusions. It's the but, games, like it, it just goes further. It's not just Anthem and Destiny. It's just the games industry as a whole. Like, I don't know if you guys feel the same, but you know, I, I, you know, when I work, it's one of them things. Like, I, I come home, I've got a limited amount of time to play games, maybe like three, four hours, and it just seems every other game these days is either some like fifty-hour epic that's just filled with absolute pointless filler. You know, the classic Far Cry formula go and climb up a tower and reveal more of the map and then do a generic fetch quests. If, if it's a single-player game, it's all filled with that. And if it's a multiplayer game, it's all some ridiculous live service game where you're expected to put in, like, six hours a day to keep up with the curve. It's like, how many hours do they think people have got? Like, there's 24 hours in a day. Not everyone is a 10-year-old sitting at home with 20 hours to play their console. I just feel like everyone's getting out of touch with, with just reality to be honest. There's only a limited amount of space for these games and the market is just becoming more and more and more saturated. And when people release shit garbage like Anthem, no one's going to care. Why would you want to dedicate, you know, hours and hours and hours to a game that's crap and doesn't work? It's just like, it just bewilders me, to be honest, what's going on at the moment. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. It's... I, I do think there's a space in the industry for live service games like Anthem, but they have to be a thousand times better than Anthem. That there's definitely a reason they, you know, so many devs have, have looked to them in, in recent times. They just need to be so much better than they are. And to be honest, that probably doesn't just stop with Anthem. That applies to them all. But I think we'll we'll hit a sort of a, a plateau with it where, say, for example, we see another one further down the line. I mean, it's it remains to be seen how The Division 2 does. If we see another new IP in that sort of bracket and it doesn't do very well again in a few years' time, we'll probably see the end of them because it's not something that's particularly working right now. Yeah, that definitely, you know, like you said, if 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 The Division 2 fails as well, or falls flat, then you know publishers are going to have to reconsider uh, what what in, uh, what genre of gaming they're going to go for. And unfortunately, though, it feels like they're all pushing towards battle royale, which battle we're royale all or live tired service, of. yeah, persistent, you know, persistent leveling up and things like that outside the game. It's one of them things. It's just just constant. It's like even the single player games have taken elements from from live service games with the whole sort of like grinding and loot system and things like that and it's just like why can't there just be an 8 to 12 hour game anymore that, that, that that's banned you need to fill it with some sort of filler everything needs to be to, like I said if it's a single player game it needs to be a 100 hour epic and if it's a multiplayer game it needs to be one that keeps you coming back for 5 years or whatever it's just so unrealistic because there's not an infinite number of players and there's not an infinite number of hours there is a finite amount of players and people have got a finite amount of hours to be playing these games in. And I think the 
the thing with live service games as well is they're competing against other live service games. It's the nature of the beast because Destiny's still going. And, you know, I think Anthem's going to tank even more when The Division 2 comes out. I, I said it at the time, actually, when we were talking about both those games that I thought The Division would do better than Anthem, and I still stick by that. But it's it's one of those things that it, it will come to an end eventually because people will just be bored of doing the same thing over and over again. There's not much innovation in that area. No. no I, th- I think that's actually the biggest problem. Sorry to sort of cut over you there, but there should be. The, the space that they have there is full of like infinite potential or whatever you'd call it. They can innovate in any way, shape, or form they want in that. They don't have to conform to the same crap we've seen before. And yet, that's what we keep seeing. And it drives me mad as someone who appreciates what that kind of game could be. Perks, this reminds me, sorry, just quickly to jump in. We were talking the other night, and you were saying how Bioware were having some sort of live chat uh, with the devs, or the lead dev, and he didn't understand a lot of the terms that were being used and he was asking people to tell them what they should do and stuff like that this could be yeah. a big issue as why there's no innovation it's it's ben Irvin. he's the he's the lead producer on anthem i think is his official title he was the guy doing the the live stream the other day on on twitch and they had the questions coming in him and jesse anderson who's what was even his title he's something to do with the ea community or community manager for for anthem or something like that off, off the top of my head i think Mm-hmm. And some of the questions they got in pertain to things within the game. So one that was was brought up was the mark of ruin masterwork, and you know why certain things aren't proking properly. Or you know, they had a couple of specific item things. Now, if you say that to me, who m- might not use the mark of ruin or might run a different class that it doesn't apply to, um, or or a casual that hasn't maybe hit masterworks yet, yeah, you'd kind of expect them to not know what it does. But the lead dev of the game was just stumped for a few seconds and he was like, oh yeah, so the Mark of Ruin, that's going to uh, really awkward pause for about 10 seconds and then, <laughs> yeah, well, we whatever it's supposed to do, it's now going to work properly. Oh, man. The lead developer of the game and that, to me, was, was frightening. And then sort of a few moments later with it, the stream itself was only about 45 minutes in total, I think. Uh, only I was going to say, I think only about 32, 33 minutes were, were relevant. The last 10 was just crap. Mm. And one of the points that they had in it, obviously, th- this is a thing that happens across all games these days, so I'm not coming down on them for opening up to the community and saying, what do you guys want to see? Because that's obviously, that's good, that's positive. But it was on the Grandmaster 2 and 3 difficulties. They basically just said, guys, just consolidate everything on Reddit for us and we'll go from there. And again, it was that blase. Things are kind of dotted around across the sort of subreddits and different comment sections and stuff. Just put it all in one place for us. We'll look there and then we'll do it. And I mean, wouldn't you be the same? Tragic. Wouldn't you be the same, though, if you knew you were getting sacked in six months' time? <laughs> if i knew i was getting sacked in six months time i wouldn't even bother trying to save face but look I- i'm not saying that it's bad to reach out to the community and get ideas that the community want and put them in the game that's fine there's a but way when of it, doing would, it it seemed like we don't really know we messed up the development what do you want so we can put it in so you can be appeased that's how it came across to me mm-hmm. and i thought if you've got your lead dev sitting there with your community manager you guys have got to be shaking in your boots. Like, you've got to know how bad that sounds. That's warning signs. 
yeah i'm not even gonna lie that that live stream and what's to come and the way that they were so blase about ps4 crash issues and and things that are in their game that they don't even really know what they do without sort of having their memory jogged that turned me off from anthem i mean i was on the edge anyway i know it's going to be broke for a long long time and honestly yesterday was the day i stopped playing and i'm I'm not going back so yeah that live stream rest in peace anthem well it was never even alive for me (laughs) yeah you're the lucky one you're the one who didn't get to uh, experience, well, just a vast emptiness, really, of a game. That's the best way I can describe it, because it was pretty boring. I mean, I've experienced vast emptiness before, but not in a game. Actually, yeah, I have. Destiny. <laughs> oh, we'll move on. <laughs> well, like I said to you a few weeks ago, though, man, if you thought <laughs> Destiny was bad... This is even worse. Yeah, you should see this. Like, it's It's astonishing in comparison. And that's that really is saying something. Yeah, it really is. However, we'll move it on to um, topic number two, which is Microsoft rumors uh, that for, you know for the upcoming E3, what could they be potentially unveiling there? Um, let's have a look what we've got on the list. This is an article from Gamespot, and um, reading down the list, the first thing that they have picked up on that they think could be happening or release soon is a disc free xbox one they say that it's been rumored for many months already and discussed at um conceptual level for years the disc free xbox one is said to be codenamed xbox maverick well, what do we think of this is this something that we'd want or something that we it's, just don't want it's something behind the scenes that microsoft have been scheming since e3 2013 we all know that they want to get rid of discs they have done for a long time. I think they're just testing the water with this console. It's like, obviously, there will still be a disc, a disc-based console as well. This isn't, you know, hopefully, and you know, if they're crazy, they might try and re- get rid of discs altogether next gen. But I imagine it'll be a, a cheaper option for players if if they want the um, the discless console. But um, it's just what Microsoft want, and it, and it's one of them ones where I'm stuck between a rock and a hard place, really, with with discs and physical media. Because I think, like you know, if Sud was here, he definitely agree with me. Like we're both massive fans of physical media, but it just it's nicer. It's a nicer feeling to know that you have resale value of a game because it's not like a film or you know something like that, a piece of music where it's quite cheap to buy. You know, these games are fifty quid when you're buying them digital. Just the fact that it's you know a license basically that you're buying for fifty quid is a bit is a bit steep. And having that disc, putting it on your shelf, knowing that you can resell your game or you can lend it to a friend or whatever, that's always been a big part of gaming. And it's going to be hard to accept when discs eventually go. I just think Microsoft are pioneering the way forward for for gaming in a way because we all know eventually that discs are going to go. I just think they're they're being a bit too too hasty with their decision with this console. I I just don't think the internet's ready yet. Maybe in their Seattle bubble, you know, where they're all on two hundred k a year and they've all got like you know ridiculously quick internet speeds and can download a game in you know ten minutes is, is probably great for them. But mm. you know, a lot of people in a lot of areas that are the main consumers of their gaming consoles haven't got internet anywhere near fast enough. 
yet to download, you know, a hundred gig updates and a hundred gig games every other, like every five minutes. And I think um, if they do try and maybe push this from a marketing point of view, it's going to be one of them things that backfires on them again. I I don't really disagree with what you've just said there. I think we've talked many times before over the years um, when we've been in parties as as a as our usual four. I'm okay with a, a discless Xbox One as long as it's very cheap and the least powerful of the two or the three SKUs that they release. It it has to be that way. I would hate to see it at this point in time be sort of plugged as their main console, their sort of new Xbox One X, if you like. I still don't think that a discless Xbox One would, would compete with the sort of current power that they have and, and all the sort of hardware specs that they currently give you with the disk driving included. So as long as it comes in at the bottom of the ladder and it's advertised very, very clearly as a streaming box and, hey, if you want the best experiences, you're still going to have the disk drive and you're still going to have the, the main titles performing better on the best console, I'm personally okay with it being a thing. But like I said, it has to be cheap and it has to be easily accessible. Yeah, an alternative option. Right. For people who are just basically looking to see what it's all about the, mm. rather than sort of jump in at the highest end. And I'm not saying that we'll never see that in time because I think Matt's already just basically said it then. We will see physical gaming disintegrate over the years, but yeah. I don't think it's ready right now. And I still think we're probably a generation or so away from that, in my opinion, anyway. This is quite a bold statement. Sorry, man. This is quite a bold statement to make, but I, I genuinely think like these rumors about you know Xbox having a discless option and all this. A lot of these rumors are based on complete and utter hearsay. But a lot of the time, there's maybe ten percent of truth to them. And the fact that I keep hearing over and over again discless, discless, and I keep hearing disc to digital program as well. Like so, obviously, you know. It, the idea behind that is if you do have Xbox One games that are on disc or whatever, you put it in your console and then you're given a digital license, you know, a one-time digital license to um, to put onto onto your discless Xbox One, you know, so you've got that game to keep on your on your profile. But um, I I just think I can really see a if any three where both the consoles don't have disc drives and they just get rid of discs entirely. And I know that it would be so stupid, but Microsoft have done stupid things before, and I can see them doing it again. It always feels with Microsoft like they just they just keep trying, like poking the beast. <laughs> you okay with that? Oh no, they're not okay with that. Okay, we'll try it again in a few more years. Poke again. You okay with that? No, oh, they're all they're all right with that one. Because <laughs> it, it's yeah, it's it's a risky decision. Obviously, it's it's a massive risk. But I think if if it's like Nintendo, Sony, or Microsoft, who's going to go all digital first? You'd mm -hmm. definitely say Microsoft, hundred percent. If you were a betting man, anyway, because they've got the they've got the money to burn, really, the funds to lose on you know consoles selling badly. Whereas for Sony and Nintendo, um, gaming is you know the majority of their business. You know, it's it's imperative to Sony and Nintendo that their gaming consoles and gaming products do well. Whereas for Microsoft, it's always been like a side venture, you know what I mean? Windows is obviously always going to be their major sort of money spinner. Mm. And I think Xbox is always, 
felt like a a side project to that. And I think I I can really see an E3 where they announce both the next gen consoles don't have disk drives. Yeah, I mean, I I can in time, but just not this year. I wouldn't say it's. It's one of those things for me. I guess I should be careful saying I don't mind them sort of coming in at the bottom of the ladder because I know what it means for the long term. I know that means slowly but surely it will creep up and and we'll lose physical gaming a lot quicker than if it didn't exist. But from a business perspective, and I'll I'll try and sort of remove the the, the emotional aspect, I think they're coming at it a lot better this time around than they did previously, whereas they just said back in the day, you talk about poking the beast, they just jumped on the beast and they were like, here you go, we're taking everything away from you. This is how it's going to be. Uh, and Sony went, nah, this is how you play games. And everyone laughed at Microsoft and, and that was basically the Rightly end. so. Absolutely. So that was a terrible business move. Probably the worst they've made since they've been involved in gaming. Definitely. And this time, like I said, if I think about it from a business standpoint rather than a personal or emotional one, it seems like the way that they're coming at it this time would work even to a smaller to a small degree and then slowly but surely they can creep up that ladder over time which perhaps has negative connotations in the long term but business wise i think it's smart yeah maybe they've planned out a little bit better the map the roadmap ahead this time um it definitely would seem that way if they're going to have a tiered system yeah and obviously, they're going to be publishers' best friends if they if they try and get rid of physical media because it's what publishers have wanted for years. You know, why should you be allowed to use our game? You know, reuse our game. We just want everyone to buy digital because we get most of the money. We don't have to pay for, you know, manufacturing costs or anything like that or distribution. It's basically all the money goes to us and, and Microsoft, and that's it. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, what do you guys? You touched on the disc to digital program. What do you guys think of that? I think that's something that could be a success, or something that we're just going to have to put up with. I mean, it, I would be surprised if it wasn't quite a well-used thing across the board when the sort of change first starts to happen, because that would make sense, right? Because there's still going to be a load of discs in operation, and mm -hmm. yeah, that that's fine. And otherwise, people would have to repurchase things they've already purchased. But I think it would be a temporary thing. It's almost like a bridge to the gap, isn't it? It's, hey, we're making this transition. This is how it looks now. This is how it's going to look. This is the part in the middle. But eventually in time, that there wouldn't even need to be that platform because there would be no more discs. So there would be no more need for it to exist. So I, I like it as an interim thing because otherwise it would just be such a scam. But yeah, I don't see it being something that's around for too long, personally. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I don't personally want it at all, but it just, you know, it's the way that technology's going really, isn't it? Um, ne next on this list is something I guess we can skip over because it's a new Fortnite Xbox One. Apparently a new Xbox One featuring a design inspired by Fortnite. I imagine we don't care about that, but little Jimmy's will. <laughs> yeah, shout out to the little Jimmy's. <laughs> yeah, they always get one. I, I mean, look, we've seen the, the cool designs over the years. I'm not surprised there's a Fortnite one. Why wouldn't there be in the here and the now? True. Yeah. To all the little Jimmy's listening at home with your Mountain Dew and your Doritos <laughs> <laughs> and your, you know, your Yeezys or whatever you're wearing. 
tell your mum that there's a new thing on the shopping list. You've got a Fortnite Xbox One, and I guarantee it comes with a great new skin as well. Yeah, it will probably come with an exclusive skin. Yeah, yeah they all do. You could already buy like an Xbox One. It was so confusing because you could buy an Xbox One and a PS4 with Fortnite bundled in, and that was like one of the most um, common questions that I got asked when I was working in um, in games retail was, "Oh, isn't Fortnite free? Or how does it come with Fortnite? Oh, it just comes with a skin." And it's like that—that's how mental kids are. They'll wow. pay. They'll pay for a PS4, and they can get like a PS4 with Red Dead. You know. Obviously not suitable for kids, but you know what I mean. It's a, an actual game that you have to pay for, or you can get a PS4 with a Royale bomber skin, and they went for the one with the skin. Well, that just shows the way, the way the gaming industry seems to be going. That Cosmetics. is a damning sign of the times. That that just feels bad to even hear. It does. It does. Unfortunately, we all we all knew it happened, though, didn't we? Deep down. Uh, there we are. Anyway, we'll move on to. Um, the next rumor, and it's that next-gen consoles will be uh, unveiled at E3. Microsoft is reportedly working on multiple new Xbox One consoles in development under the Scarlet umbrella. The first is codenamed Anaconda, according to Brad Sams, and is the new high-power Xbox One to follow the Xbox One X. Um, the other is codenamed Lockhart, is said to be the budget-orientated offering. So, what do we think of this? This be pretty exciting i mean i was going to be watching e3 anyway but it's got me glued in this time for sure because if they do mention or talk about the new consoles that they're uh, the next gen that they're hoping to bring out soon i'm uh, i'm all ears yeah i mean i remember back to one of the first podcasts i actually joined you guys for and we talked a little bit about this didn't we whether they'd be at e3 this year or whether we thought it was going to be something for next year but Mm-hmm. By all accounts, this doesn't even seem like a rumor anymore. This just seems like a badly kept secret or or a worse kept secret because we seem to already know, based on what's said, that we're going to see them at E3 this year for sure, and they're going to be scheduled for a sort of fall 2020 release. And yeah, I'm I'm kind of excited by it. I want to see what comes next. I mean, the Xbox One X is is an amazing piece of kit, and it really hard to see where they go from here in terms of improving on that in such a short space of time, really. But I'm excited. I, I want to know what's next. And I think as as such sort of heavy gamers, we all do, and, and we're all probably quite interested. Yeah. Well, I think um, the the most interesting part is going to see be seeing what Sony and maybe Nintendo do going forward. Because, you know, the gaming rumor mill is absolutely packed to the brim with new xbox rooms it has been for months and months like you said it's a badly kept secret and phil spencer himself has already said that there's new xbox consoles like he used it in it wasn't even one so yeah you're gonna have multiple SKUs. um sony and nintendo completely silent on what they're doing really and i think that's going to really dictate a lot what microsoft do I, I honestly wouldn't be surprised if Microsoft had two Xboxes in mind, um, one to be released in 2019 and one potentially to be released in 2020, but based on what PS, um, you know, what PS5 is. So if PS5 is released in 2019, Microsoft will have something that can be released to compete with it. 
And if it goes for 2020, I think Microsoft will do the same. I don't think there's going to be a year gap. It'll be, you know, the PS5 and the next Xbox will be out at the same time. It's just one of them things, whether it's going to be 2019, which, you know, a lot of people think that's too early, probably me included, or 2020. I was going to say, though, wouldn't you, would you not see it as a good business move to try and uh, jump the gun ahead of Sony after the last generation, if they could get out of the end of 2019 instead of 2020? Maybe, but I think this is why Sony is skipping E3, because they want to sort of surprise everybody with when they're going to announce the PS5. Whereas Microsoft, we know now they have to announce their new console at E3, whereas Sony have got a bit more leeway. They can pretty much do what they want because, you know, it's just going to be one of those streamed Sony events, you know, that will pop up seemingly at a random time. And obviously that gives them the advantage, really, in terms of, um, you know, when they announce the console, whereas Microsoft seems to be fixed with E3. Mm. Yeah, it it will be interesting. I mean, I'm intrigued to hear what ideas they've got for their new console and when they'll be coming out. I, I just, I feel like if they got it out towards the end of this year, that they could, uh, they could definitely get a strong foothold ahead of Sony anyway after the last generation. I I agree with you. I think it's important that they do get a strong foothold to begin with and not sacrifice so much of the early ground. But I think what we've seen since the disaster of the original sort of Xbox One launch is that they have been clawing back ground quite slowly over time, but it has happened and the gap is nowhere near as sort of cavernous as it used to be. I personally wouldn't rush to get something out just for the sake of it. I'm quite happy for them to show something at E3 that we don't get until the end of next year, regardless of what Sony's plans are, because if Microsoft are going to be good enough if xbox is going to be good enough going forward i i don't for one second think that we're going to see a massive sort of switcheroo like we did last time where playstation 4 slash 5 all of a sudden is in the bin and, and it's xbox that's in control again but i still think that they can go a long way regardless of the time i don't think it has to be this year with a strong e3 conference with no sony competition at e3 anymore or at least for this year, that could go a long way to to sort of closing the gap even further. And I think it would be a disaster for them if they fail to sort of capture their audience and and capture sort of everyone who's going to be tuning into the live streams in that sort of space of time in which they're competing against only themselves. Feels like an open goal to use a football term. Yeah. Absolutely. It's like, you're there, you've got the stage. We don't really know what Nintendo are going to do, but sticking with sort of Microsoft versus Sony for the time being, yeah, don't, well, don't miss the open goal and don't score an own goal for that matter because yeah, they, they could do. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they definitely could do. We've definitely seen them score own goals yeah. in the past. I think that's part of the intrigue for me. I mean, it, it's going to be strange, isn't it, for all of us watching E3 and, and not having a Sony conference for the first time. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't think E3 2013 was scoring an own goal. It was more like crashing the team bus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a fair, fair analogy. Yeah. That just reminds me of Dream Team. <laughs> that's a flashback um yeah 
if you're not in the UK and if you're not our age, you probably don't know what that is. But it was just it's a lost reference. Yeah. Hey, it was a good TV show though. Back in the yeah, day. Yeah, it, it was okay. Harchester United. <laughs> it, it was better than that E3, so. <laughs> <laughs> it actually was. Um, so the last thing I want to touch on that was in this uh, article is xCloud and Game Pass. So one of Microsoft's most exciting and ambitious new technologies is the game streaming service Project xCloud. Microsoft's long-term vision is to bring Xbox to every internet-connected screen, whether that be TV, console, or mobile phones in your pocket. So that obviously is going to be a big, big project for them. And one, if they get right, they could they could reach what unlimited potential of gamers. Really, what what do we think about this? I think it kind of harks back to what Matt touched on before. I mean, this is a right now. This is a this is a problem that is based around infrastructure, regardless of what they say in numbers and figures. Certain Parts of the world just don't allow for that to be a thing. Internet connections aren't strong enough in many areas to support something like that being successful right now. Mm. It's something that's way in the future as far as I'm concerned. We don't have, we don't even have sort of fiber optic cables in places that you'd expect them to, to speak for the UK in particular. So, I mean, and, and we're something that, you know, we probably think we're doing well, but it's yeah i don't feel like i'm doing well with my internet no, connection <laughs> but I, mean, I mean in comparison to really sort of underprivileged countries yeah. you think yeah we're doing okay but for something like this to actually work everyone needs that sort of microsoft hq connection they need that sort of peerless connection connectivity on such a high level basis where there will be no drops, there will be no cutouts, there'll be no pauses or bufferings because that destroys experiences. Mm -hmm. So for something like that to work just purely on, oh yeah, the cloud and, and sort of internet infrastructure, that's years away. That is absolutely years away. Uh, imagine relying purely on sort of streaming with the highest sort of powered AAA titles right now that we see. You'd be screwed. Like it wouldn't even work consistently here, let alone in other places. So I guess one thing they'll rely on as well, though, is five um, G. That's getting rolled out soon, apparently. Well, this well, is yeah, my point. Just... Like we don't have that right now. This is something that infrastructurally it's coming has soon. To be in the future. Well, I was, I was I've alluded to this before with um with five G. I don't think the future of the internet is in these cables in the ground. It's in the sky, and five G. Like when that rolls out, it's a hundred meg. So just imagine having a hundred meg on your phone all the time. That's when, if if they can get that at a consistent level, you know, where it's actually going to work wherever I take my phone, you know, or at least in like big cities, then streaming on the go will work. It's just a case of getting that. Like you said, the infrastructure isn't ready, but it is coming. Um, so yeah, again, it's just Microsoft trying to get ahead of the game. Obviously we know Game Pass has been quite a big success for them. And I think the success of Game Pass is, has only sort of accelerated this process of moving into streaming because, you know, they've seen themselves that people do want a service like this. And if you could provide Game Pass to any device, you know, not just your Xbox, but your phone, your tablet, your PC, you know, your watch, whatever you want to play it on, then it's one of them things that, that will work I in the future. I think it's a really good idea. 
I mean, I think it's. I agree. It is a really good idea, but just not here and not now. Like, yeah, five G's coming, but five G's not coming to everywhere. Certain places could run with this, but certain places couldn't, and I think that kind of destroys what they're trying to achieve with it. That's just my take. Yeah, no, I I understand that. Um, I just think though, like Matty said, trying to get ahead of the curve, it, it's a it's a good idea. I mean, look how popular streaming services are anyway, and gamers definitely love a streaming would love a really high end streaming service that they could get on any device. I'm pretty sure of that. It's just the latency issues that are the big one. They need to get past that technological restriction because yeah. even with high internet speeds, you know, I I remember trying PlayStation Now at my house and I you know I had a fast fiber optic connection and it's like I was the only games I played on PlayStation now in the end were the Telltale games because they're the only ones I could play because the the input lag on the controllers was was so bad that if you tried to play a shooter it just felt like you're in going in slow motion when you tried to aim so yeah there's a lot of work to be done there with um latency issues especially mm. and one thing's for sure is I think we all agree it's certainly something that's topical, topical and it's something that people love right now. So, yeah, jump on it whilst it's hot and, and get people sort of forward in the right direction in their thinking. Yeah, definitely. Um, it will be interesting to see Microsoft's plans going forward and uh, definitely be interesting to see what they announce at E3. Anyway, we'll move on to our last topic of the day, which is um, a bit of movie news and it's surrounding the Captain Marvel controversy uh, <laughs> is the best way to put it I guess because the reviews are out and according to the Mary Sue and Rachel Leishman or Leishman not sure if I pronounced that correctly yeah in an article that she put um, she mentioned that all the negative reviews for Captain Marvel are from men yep apparently it's just down to men as the reason why Captain Marvel has negative reviews. However, she failed to point out that over 30% of the negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes are written by uh, females. Uh, just a couple here. Um, let's have a look. This is Lindsay Barr of the AP. She wrote, the first female lead movie of the MCU deserved more. 2.5 out of 4. Uh, then we've got Mara Rainstein of US Weekly. It succeeds more as an amusing fill-in-the-blanks Marvel backstory provider than a confident standalone tale of a woman discovering her fierceness. I think she gave it a 2 out of 4. So, I mean, there's many more here. There's a few more that I've jotted down, but I won't go through them all. But it just shows there's not all men. And I don't know, it's a, it's a tricky subject, isn't it, to touch on, but it feels like it's an excuse yeah, things are said to suit the agenda. Like, let's let's not dance around that issue. That's what she would want people to believe, so that's what she says, with no factual information backing it up. And a simple Google search with, I mean, you reference Rotten Tomatoes there, one of the most used sites when it comes to film critique, mm -hmm. has blatantly obvious female reviews. So, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's... Oh, I don't know, it's like when you look at Wonder Woman as well, look how well-reviewed that was. And by the way, that's a great film. That didn't suffer this. Yeah, amazing film. Mm -hmm. Completely agree. And you actually, it's funny, right? Because you look at the Wonder Woman reviews, not just our opinions, and they're all very, very high. You look at the 
Captain Marvel reviews, and they're quite average. Mm. And the the overwhelming theme or reason for that seems to be that it's just promoting feminism in the worst possible way. Yeah. But if you make a female empowerment film, it can be bad and it can also be good. It's it's not, you know, mutually exclusive. It doesn't have to be good because it's about female empowerment. It, it, if it's a bad film, it's a bad film. And if it's a good film, it's a good film. It's just absolutely simple. And the fact that people are trying to, you know, make up that, oh, all these bad reviews are from men, it is just, it's just really pathetic. And it's just watch the film, make your own opinion of the film, and just get on with life, to be honest. It's, it just seems like it's a complete and a non-story again. People exactly. looking looking for a story where there is none. It's like, the, if the film's bad, the film's bad. Yeah, it can exactly. be about female empowerment, it can be about male empowerment, it can be about alien empowerment. It doesn't matter. <laughs> if the film is shit, it's shit. And if the film's good, it's good. Yeah, and if you like a film, but I don't, then that doesn't matter. That's good for you. I'm glad you liked it. And if I like a film that you don't, it's the same. It's just subjective. Well, let's let's go let's go through it. You know, I really like Captain Marvel, and Eldon doesn't in this fake scenario. Surprisingly, you are not a horrendous sexist for not liking the film. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> It's just, it's just absolutely ludicrous. I'm so bored of hearing it. It's like it, may, it just makes a mockery of of society in general when when you hear rubbish like this. To and honest, it's one of those things. Just get on, just get on with it. It's quite bad though that I've watched, like I've watched quite a few reviews now that have come out from YouTubers like Chris Stuckman and people like that because I like them. And the amount of people who have to start off the video by saying, "Look, I know the controversy's there, but I'm just giving my honest opinion of a film I've seen." I think that shows you the problem. It's just yeah. a film. Just let's watch it. If we like it, we like it. If we don't, we don't. However, yeah, I do want to mention, I think Angry Joe, he replied to um, the Mary Sue on Twitter, the all negative reviews for Captain Marvel from men. He he put a good reply uh, response. He put, um, are you guys above retracting or correcting obviously wrong and stupid articles? Stop this kind of sexist crap, seriously. Isn't your website supposed to be against sexism? Make geekdom safe and open for everyone, or or are clicks more important now? I think I think he summed that up pretty well. Yeah, I mean, the sad thing about that he's right is that clicks are more important now. And... Again, when we talk about things that are topical in a bad way, sort of SJW stuff and, and feminism is one of them. But that's not because they're bad topics. It's because they're presented in bad ways by people who are just... Extreme. Doing, yeah, yeah they're, they're too far like off the topic. They're just, no matter what it is, good or bad, it's this extremity that goes with it. And that's that's not good for those topics. That's That's opposite to what they should be, in my opinion. I guess it doesn't really help with Captain Marvel in particular that Brie Larson, who is the lead in that film, has gone on record before as to say that she doesn't care about the opinions of white men and stuff like that. It it, it doesn't do her or them any favors. Yeah, she. It's you're just giving them. A Honestly, reason. can you can you imagine? I'm I'm sorry. Can you imagine 
The Wolf of Wall Street when that was, you know, being filmed. And the film had just come out and Leonardo DiCaprio came out and said, you know, I don't care about the opinions of white females. <laughs> There'd be uproar. People would be out in the streets throwing bottles, you know. It's yeah. just pathetic. I, I just, yeah, that's extreme. People probably wouldn't be out in the streets, you know. They'd be bashing <laughs> their keyboards because they, they, they don't come out of their rooms, these people. They just try and find an error in everything that exists. And it's just like... This, this honestly it, it's one of them things if the shoe's on the other foot you know there'd be uproar but because it isn't you know it's it's seen as acceptable and it's just framing we haven't even seen the film and we're all going to go and watch the film now and it's framed in this stupid way instead of just sitting there watching a marvel film i'm sitting there watching a marvel film and also like micro analyzing it because of you know what people have said about you know it being a, a feminist film and all this it's just like can't it just be a film? Yeah. Can't it just be a film that I go and watch and I either enjoy or I don't? I... There's powerful female characters in film. There's powerful male characters in film. It sort of comes with the territory when you go in with superheroes. Most of them have powers. Um, it's it's not a surprise. And if, like I said, if the film's shit, it's shit. And if it's good, it's good. So I will watch it. I'm a bit put off watching it, to be honest now. But um, yeah, we'll watch it. And then I'm sure we'll give our opinions. Yeah, mm. we definitely are. I'll be watching it too. Uh, you touched on the like, you know, women in lead roles in films and coming across powerful. Just look at Alien. I mean, you're a big fan of Alien, aren't you, Perks? I'm not sure about you, Mai, but look at Ripley's character. Exactly, She's and that's badass, a really but... yeah. And how far back is that example? Exactly. That, you know, that's. that's but I think that's the best be thing. Done. Yeah, that's the best thing when a powerful female character is just presented as natural. Like yeah. it, it just exists in the film. No one points it out. No one points out halfway through the film, like, oh, you're a woman, you can't do this. And then, you know, oh, I'll prove you wrong. No, it's just like, it's, it's a natural film. And you don't watch Alien thinking, oh my God, what a powerful female character. It's just a natural sort of thing in the film. And you think she's a badass. You know what I mean? Exactly. And I think that's, that's a better way of doing it. It always has been. I yeah. totally agree it's hard to, to add much to that if I'm, if I'm being very honest, but the, the film's just presented in a great way. And, and I know it's, it's not quite topical because it's so old, but look, the alien kills male characters, the alien kills female characters. There are also badass male characters in the film, uh, in not just alien one, but in the, in the sort of series of films, it's not specific to any one like load of crap prejudice. It's just, here you go. The, the lead female is a badass. Great stuff. There's it, It's shared across the board with male characters. There's no... I, I guess prejudice, like I said before, is, is the thing that goes with it. It just works. And in today's era, it seems to have gone so far that before films haven't even released yet, mm -hmm. this is like, oh, is there a powerful male character? Is there a powerful female character? Is there a powerful black character or character from ethnic minority? There's just so much bullshit that goes with it. It's like, can't a film just be a film anymore? Can't we just have all of these different characters playing all of these different roles without this stupid prejudice that goes with it? Exactly. I know Captain Marvel is a female from the comics. I just want to see a good Captain Marvel film. Do you know what I mean? I don't care that she's a woman. Just tell me a good story, but don't try and make it political at the same time when it doesn't need to be. Yeah, like it goes hand in hand with the Avengers, right? Because we're all looking forward to that. And this is the sort of prelude in terms of the films. We want it to lead on. We want to be excited. We don't want to be bogged down with the 
is this politically correct to have X, Y, or Z character? Mm -hmm. Can't we just enjoy the stories for what they are? Why does it have to be such a big deal? Who plays what? Or Yeah. Uh, it, it's a long run, isn't it, really? But... I think the point we're trying to make makes sense. Yeah, yeah. it shouldn't even have to be a rant. It's just common sense at the end of the day. And yeah. um, it, it's, it's, one, it's just one of them things. I'm sure it'll carry on. I'm sure, I'm sure there'll be lots more stories like this in the future. Uh, yeah, the, to be honest, the way it, you know, the political climate is, that's inevitable. However, we'll leave that there. Um, we look forward to actually watching Captain Marvel and seeing what it's about and giving our honest opinions on it, which we will do, I'm sure, on the next podcast. However, um, that's the end of this show. Uh, where can people find you on social media, Matt? Uh, Matty Cheatham on Instagram and Twitter. Lovely stuff. And Perks, I ask you every week, but I think I know what you're going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Same response. I'm at JG Perks on Twitter, but as always, you'll find me replying to comments on the podcast channels. Like you will. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it would feel weird not to ask you for your social media. It, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Um, yeah. And if you are listening to the podcast, like do comment because it's one of them things we are, we are a growing channel and you know, any feedback that anybody has got, it will be taken seriously. Yep, definitely echo those sentiments. And you get responses. And you do get responses from perks. <laughs> so yeah. it's a win-win situation. <laughs> anyway, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lel, L-E-L-3-Ds, add a nine on the end for Instagram. You can also find Checkpoint Reached on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Chet Reach Pod, and we're also on YouTube at Checkpoint Reach Podcast. If you're listening to us on YouTube, give us a like, give us a comment, like Matty said, uh, some feedback on where we can improve or you know your opinions of what we talked about on the show, and um, also subscribe to our channel for more gaming content each week. Anyway, thanks for joining me as ever, guys, and uh, yeah, that was fun. Great stuff as always. Bye bye. Bye guys. See you guys. Thank you.